Let us pray. Lord, may the words that flow from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. May we hear you clearly and understand your call to us as your people. Amen. Well, this week we are continuing our walk through the first letter of Peter, written to a group of churches in what is now the region of modern-day Turkey. I've always thought there's a fair bit of character and humour in the occasional wordplay that you find in Scripture. And I think these verses evidence that very thing. If you were with us on the fourth Sunday of Lent, I preached on Matthew 16, where Jesus says to the Apostle Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The wordplay in Greek is Petros, the Petra. Jesus calls Peter the rock man. Nobody laughed at my Dwayne the Rock Johnson reference because it was our first ever online service that Sunday. On the other side of Easter, on the fourth Sunday of Easter, we find out what kind of church this rock man is starting to build. I don't think there's any coincidence that in this passage the word rock is used once and the word stone is used six times. The early readers would have appreciated the wordplay that, of course, the foundation of the church that the rock man built would be made of stones. But these are not your normal sort of stones. Rocks and stones were and still are the foundations of significant buildings and structures. In the ancient Near East, you couldn't build anything of substance that would last without rocks and stones. Building or engineering would be logical and sensible imagery to unpack. But I don't know anything about either of those two disciplines. So I'm going to use imagery that I relate to. Golf. Please don't switch off the service um, right now if golf's not your thing. Please stay with me. Caleb, our youngest, normally goes to a golf clinic on a Monday afternoon. But with restrictions, the clinics have been cancelled. I was able to get him a one-on-one last Saturday with appropriate social distancing, of course. As I listened in on his lesson, Caleb's coach was trying to work on his balance and create a strong core for his swing to remain solid throughout. I confess that I had balance issues in my golf swing too. And so she gave us a little exercise to practice at home. Her point was that with a solid foundation of balance, the swing would survive the movement of the body and the result would be a smooth swing and a good shot. Without the balanced foundation, you could still have a good shot, but the movement would make your swing much more vulnerable to the possibility of a bad shot. What does this have to do with God, 1 Peter, and the world we live in? How can you possibly find truth for our time, let alone truth for all time, in a golfing analogy? 
I heard COVID-19 described this week as the formative experience of our generation. Many are saying that this will and has already changed the world we live in forever. The question is, will it, should it change us? Will it, should it change the church? I mentioned last week that I do not believe this is some God-designed test to prove our faith. But I do believe the words that Paul wrote. All things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. God is actively at work in these times and wants to be actively at work in and through us. The way that we demonstrate God at work in and through us is the way that we show and share our faith in times of suffering and adversity. And it's, it's not just important for them, but it's what living stones are called to do all of the time. As Peter reminds us, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You might also remember this quote from a few weeks ago. In the rush to return to normal, use this time to consider which parts of normal are worth rushing back to. I do think that one of the ways that God has used and particularly challenged and convicted me in these times is a realisation that what I saw as normal may not have been as godly as I would have liked to have believed. The opening verse of this passage isn't to be overlooked for the more recognised parts. Read yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy and all slander. Peter is saying, put away your self-focused ways. I know that for all of 2019, I preached on seek first and find hope. But I don't think that has ever been more necessary than it is right now. In the rush to reclaim what we've lost, why don't we pause and ask if what we have lost is actually as godly as we might have thought? In recent times, we've seen the emergence of a new career, the lifestyle entrepreneur, more commonly known as the influencer. The whole premise of the influencer is that you can do what you want, when you want, how you want, with who you want, and get paid for it at the same time. All of a sudden, that perceived world has collapsed overnight. We've been living under the assumption that we can be in control of every aspect of our lives. When things don't go our way, what's our response? We get outraged. We do believe in our Western culture, in a salvation of sorts. But our concept of salvation has been secularised to sound something like a person comes from a situation of adversity, poverty, brokenness or obscurity. 
They find salvation in finding themselves. You do you, boo. Try, truly believing in themselves. Truly loving themselves. Recognising or working hard for achievement and success. Sainthood looks like celebrity, where you are recognised by your peers. If you've seen any of the Netflix series, The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls basketball team of the Michael Jordan era. As awesome as it is to watch, it's full of this idea of secular salvation. The times that we are living in has made us realise each day in different ways the weakness and fragility of the world we created. That's right, you didn't hear, mishear me, I said we created not God created. We created this culture. This culture and salvation couldn't be further away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of us, including myself, are just getting this. God was not incarnate, lived, died and rose again so that we could do what we want, when we want, how we want and with who we want. This is not a strong foundational core. We can't cope with the movement we are experiencing at the moment. The culture that we've created generates wants. The good news of Jesus Christ for all of humanity finds its foundation in meeting need. The foundation is Jesus Christ, God with us. For the church, we've potentially been playing chaplain to this culture of secular salvation. And, and for that, we must ask for deep repentance and return to words such as we're hearing this morning to begin our rebuilding process. Whether the church, our church, any church will survive this time has a lot to do with how we turn towards people who need rather than want. Many of us have not experienced shortage in our own lifetime. Those who have will understand much better than people like me. But we live a different way in the presence of shortage. The people who this letter was written to had a significant shortage on a number of levels, none less than their very freedom. Their encouragement is rather than get outraged, they should find their foundational core in Jesus Christ. Which on, on one level might look like a restriction. Believers are called to hope, to be holy, to be circumspect in their living, to love one another deeply. And to desire what will bring about their growth especially the Lord Jesus himself. Now, after this litany of actions to pursue, which might seem on one level restrictive, Peter turns to the issues of identity. Who are they? This section of the letter is about who we are and who we are called to be as God's people. Because of living hope, we are called to be living stones. 
The church is not a building of stone, timber, steel, bricks or mortar. It is a spiritual community whose fundamental vocation is the proclamation of the good news, not only in word but also and perhaps primarily in action. I've heard a number of people, both within and outside the church, issue the rally cry that we can come back stronger after this. But what does stronger actually mean in terms of what we are challenged by this morning? Rather than plead for what you want God to do for you at this time, perhaps it might be better to ask, what does God need to do inside of me at this time? Personal renewal always comes before corporate change. We are called to be living stones. While it is important to ask the question of whether we'll actually have buildings to worship in after this, it's much more important to ask, who are we worshipping? The God of secular salvation or the one true God made flesh in Jesus Christ, actively at work in us as the Holy Spirit? The God of secular salvation will just leave us bitter and outraged and disappointed. The God who created the world and has and can again change the world will enable us to be even more than we could imagine because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Who will you put your faith in? Amen.